This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, two military aircraft arrive at the same beacon simultaneously, with one going twice as fast as the other. Find out what happens in Flying the Beam by Lester H. Hollins. On June 21, 1961, I was making a night instrument flight into Birmingham, Alabama. My airplane was an Army de Havilland Beaver, one of the most stable and dependable aircraft I have ever flown. With its 450-horsepower R985 Pratt & Whitney radial engine and its long, high-aspect ratio wings, flying on instruments in the clouds was not a challenge but a joy. The air was smooth in the clouds that night. This was not always the case when flying blind, but that night there were no storms expected in the weather system in which I was flying. My logbook shows the aircraft was a 1955 model with a tail number 541706. Birmingham still had its completely obsolete four-course low-frequency navigational beams in place. This archaic old navigation system required aircraft to intercept one of four designated compass headings for approaches to or departures from the airport. In Army Instruments School, we had been required to become skilled in flying this instrument approach, even though it would soon be replaced everywhere with the new visual omni-range frequencies. Each of Birmingham's low-frequency navigational legs had a Morse code identifier. When a leg was intercepted, you heard a specific two-letter code for that leg. The signals you were listening for were either an A, dot, dash, or an N, dash, dot. When you were flying straight down the center line, these signals merged into a steady, monotonous tone. Staying right or left of the center resulted in hearing the A or the N. Pilots affectionately called this crude flying technique, flying the beam. Yes, it was crude. Jimmy Doolittle used the beginnings of this low-frequency system in September of 1929 to prove that it was possible to fly blindly in the clouds and live to tell about it. I was proud of my skill in following these old signals. I would be able to navigate the old-fashioned way to the airport and make a safe, low approach until I finally broke out of the clouds and made my landing. Nothing to it, really. 
About 25 miles south of the city, I plan to intercept the southbound leg and fly towards the low-frequency marker beacon. Upon reaching the beacon, I was required to turn left on that leg and go outbound to make a 180-degree procedure turn. This was a standard maneuver for maintaining spacing of aircraft that were flying blind in the clouds. The procedure turn on the west leg would put me back on an easterly course towards the marker beacon, where I expected a call from approach control clearing me for a final approach into Birmingham Airport. While still south of the city and in the clouds, I was turned over to the approach controller at Birmingham, who gave me these instructions. Army 451706, intercept the south leg and proceed to the marker beacon. Do not turn west for a procedure turn. Report the marker beacon and turn right. Expect a clearance for a straight-in approach to Birmingham. I replied, Roger, this is Army 541706. Understand I am to turn right at the outer marker and expect a straight-in approach to Birmingham. Over. That seemed simple enough, not to mention how much time it would save me by not having to take five minutes to go left for the 180-degree procedure turn and then come back to the marker beacon. Intercepting the southbound leg for the low-frequency marker beacon was no problem. Suddenly, just before I reached the marker beacon, I heard another pilot make this call. Birmingham approach, this is Air Force Jet 12345. I'm at the outer marker, headed outbound for a procedure turn. Roger, Air Force Jet, report the marker beacon when you are inbound, replied the controller. Talk about fear and trembling coming over you. The Air Force jet had just flown across my flight path at nearly twice my airspeed. He was now headed west, and soon he would be roaring back to the east toward the beacon I had not yet reached. Would we both arrive at the beacon at the same time? The FAA required all pilots flying blind in the soup to absolutely obey every single command of air traffic control without any deviation whatsoever. The reason for this regulation was we might collide with another airplane flying in the clouds. But the controller had just cleared both of us to fly to the same point on the map at the same time to collide. Yet I had no choice but to continue on. By now I had reached the outer marker. I keyed the mic and made my call. Birmingham approach control. This is Army 541706 at the outer marker making a right turn for a straight in approach to Birmingham. Roger, Army 541706, proceed inbound, was the controller's reply. I made the right turn, established an approach speed of 105 miles per hour, and began a steady descent to the minimum altitude allowed. I expected to break out of the clouds when I reached that minimum altitude and see the runway ahead. If I did not see the runway, I would have to declare a missed approach and fly back to the beacon and try again. Just then, the tranquility was shattered. Birmingham Approach Control, this is Air Force Jet 12345. I met the marker beacon inbound on my final approach. He was likely still flying at 160 miles an hour. This meant he was going to fly right up my tail end. Was he higher than my airplane? Was he lower? Was he right of me or left of me? When would the collision occur? Suddenly, our radios blared out this command from the approach controller. Army 541706, break right. Air Force Jet 12345, break left. I slammed my control wheel hard and racked the beaver's wings to a vertical position. I hit the right rudder pedal as hard as I could to drop the nose as I banked the airplane down and to the right. 
Just as I started that right turn, I heard the jet engine's noise as it went whizzing by on my left while making a hard banking turn to the left. The Air Force pilot and I never met, either in the air or on the ground. Nor did I ever meet the air traffic controller who almost caused a mid-air collision. It did not matter. The psalmist said in Psalm 1218, The Lord will shield your going out and your coming in from now on and forevermore. Contrary to the theme of Colonel Robert Scott's famous autobiography of his World War II days in the Flying Tigers, I knew that God was not my co-pilot that night. He was then and has forever since been my pilot. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Mm-hmm.